1: Welcome to Hour Number Two of the Morning After Live right here on Sports Grid and Sirius XM channel 159. That is the home for Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM. All around the Spiz Grizz Network, that's Sports Grid. I am Ben Stevens. Something about 10 AM Eastern time the last three days. And the start of hour number two of our show, the morning after, has brought about breaking news. On Tuesday, it was the PGA tour and live golf merger that shocked the entire landscape. We'll talk about that in just a moment. Yesterday, it was Lionel Messi committing to inter-Miami and making the move to Major League Soccer. Today, it's news out of the National Football League. Long expected, but now official. Dalvin Cook and the Minnesota Vikings have agreed to port ways, making Cook a free agent this off-season. Dalvin Cook, at the age of 27, will now be one of the most sought-after running backs in this league. And that will be the case for Cook moving forward. He spent all six years of his National Football League career in Minnesota after being drafted in the second round by the Vikings. The last four years, Dalvin Cook was a pro bowler because in each of the past four seasons, Cook ran for at least 1,100 yards on the ground, at least six rushing touchdowns as well. And for a running back has stayed relatively healthy, has played in at least 13 games each of the past four season so alexander madison becomes the lead back for the vikes dalvin cook will be a hot commodity on the market and espn's adam schefter already reporting the miami dolphins and the denver broncos two likely suitors who have paid attention to what the dynamics and relationships were between the vikings and dalvin cook should he become available at any point throughout this nfl offseason now he is a free agent running back that can still make an impact on the game up for grabs keep an eye on denver and Miami as two of those potential destinations for Dalvin Cook. That was the breaking news on this Thursday. The breaking news on Tuesday morning was the news that shocked really the entire sports landscape, altering the landscape of the game of golf for the foreseeable future. The PGA Tour in live golf deciding to merge along with the DP World Tour to form a new Entity. Now it's been the ramifications and the fallout since that news. And one of the things that people pointed to first, how about all the guys on the PGA Tour that were asked and remained loyal to the tour when Live Golf was offering millions and millions of dollars for them to jump ship and join this rival golf series. And the figurehead of all of that, the man that put the tour on his back and then won the FedEx Cup last year with all of that added motivation and yet intrigue, Rory McIlroy, who spoke yesterday at the RBC Canadian Open the day prior to the tournament, which is today, getting started. And Rory had this to say, sitting up there in that press conference, feeling as though he was somewhat of a sacrificial lamb. Quote, it's hard for me to not sit up here and feel like somewhat a sacrificial lamb when you think of Rory McIlroy he remained loyal to the PGA Tour and he got the raw end of this deal Rory McIlroy went on to say a few other things yesterday that he still hates the product that is live golf he wants them to go away and this deal will make them go away he also reminded everybody This is not Live Golf and the PGA Tour merging. This is the public investment fund of the Saudi Arabian government now having financial control of the PGA Tour. That is the merger, if you will. They will be the economic driving force of this new entity formed with the PGA Tour and the DP World Tour. A welcome to our Sports Grid radio audience here. Hour number two of the morning after, live on this Thursday, all around the grid. Sirius XM, Channel 159, and all of our radio. Terrestrial affiliates now in the mix as well. I am Ben Stevens. So all of this is happening this week, leading up to a tournament in the Great White North, the RBC Canadian Open. The irony of this: the best writers in Hollywood could not script because last year at this time, the RBC Canadian Open was happening the same week as Live's debut event in London. And who won the RBC Canadian Open last year? The man that was the figurehead for the PGA Tour. Rory McIlroy, he is the favorite right now as the defending champ to win this year's 2023 RBC Canadian Open. It was Rory who made the comment after winning in a sensational battle last year up in Canada that it gave him his 21st PGA Tour victory, one more than somebody else. And he was referring to Live Golf's Greg Norman, who has 20 PGA Tour wins. It was a shining moment for the PGA Tour where Live Golf really didn't have the luster in the PGA Tour did, and Rory McIlroy did, loyal to Jay Monaghan, the PGA Tour commissioner, who has frankly not been loyal to anybody, including the families of 9-11 and the 9-11 Families United Coalition. Now, Jay Monahan invoked last year in a speech during the CBS Sports Podcast in the booth during the RBC Canadian Open. We played you that clip Yesterday, Jay Monahan, the PGA Tour Commissioner, was on Golf Channel yesterday, and he had this to say in response to those calling him hypocrites. You can see the quote right there. The idea in allowing confidentiality to prevail. I did not communicate to very important constituents, including the 9-11 families, and I regret that, virtually saying, sorry for co-opting the tragedy you all suffered. I probably should have let you know of this secret deal we were doing behind the scenes and not kept everybody in the dark. No, Jay, that's not the issue here. Your words matter. You are a hypocrite for what you said, and co-opting families that suffered through the 9-11 tragedy is the worst of it. That does it for the opening segment of the second hour of the morning after. We'll go around the Major League Baseball diamond up next here on The Grid.
0: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on The Grid. SportsGrid.com.
1: And here live on a Thursday on the morning after on Grid. It is time for the Diamond Dash to go all around Major League Baseball and some of the action we saw on the Major League Diamond yesterday. I am Ben Stevens. Very pleased to welcome in right now one of our good friends doing sensational work with just baseball media. It is Arm Leighton joining us once again on the morning after. Arm, thank you so much for taking the time to join us bright and early here on this Thursday morning on TMA.
2: Uh, thanks for having me on. It's uh, it's a really fun time in baseball right now. So I'm, I'm pumped to break it down with you
1: arm quickly here a guy that you have monitored for a very long time before he now is becoming a household name for the Cincinnati Reds. Ellie de la Cruz yesterday in one of his first major league baseball games and one of his first big league at bats hammers a home run nearly four hundred and sixty feet at the great American ballpark his first big league home run arm. What can people expect from Ellie de la Cruz the rest of this Major League Baseball season?
2: I mean you're gonna see some things that you may have never seen on a baseball diamond. I I think it's that crazy with Ellie de la Cruz between the speed between the power Uh, there's a little bit of swing and miss but I don't think it's as bad as some of the other you know freak of nature type of talents that we've seen. it's, it's unbelievable the things that he can do it's a 30, 30, 40, 40 type threat. And uh, baseball just got a lot more exciting in Cincinnati. You mentioned following him for years now. Uh, he just yeah. gets better every time you check in. And I feel like he's just scraping the surface of the superstar that he could become. So this is a guy with face of baseball type of potential if he can hit enough.
1: Listen the Reds are providing their fans with optimism in Cincinnati four games under 500 sure but a lot better than we anticipated and now riding a three game winning streak. Look at some of the videos. The great American ballpark at this moment is absolutely electric. That is not the case necessarily Aram for Max Scherzer in the New York Mets. We made this point yesterday on the show. Max Scherzer on one side for New York in Atlanta facing off against the NL's best team in the Braves with Charlie Morton starting. It's not unsurprising necessarily to see the Mets as an underdog. But with Scherzer on the bump, you don't often see the Mets booked as a dog. They were, and the odds were right. Atlanta comes back for a 7-5 victory over New York yesterday. And Scherzer Arum allowed five earn, 11 hits against Atlanta, did strike out 10, but not his most stellar start. If Max Scherzer is not booked as a favorite and if Max Scherzer on the bump cannot guarantee the Mets a win, what does that mean for New York the rest of this season? <sighs> that's that's a big question.
2: That's the question right now. I think the, the short answer is there's more pressure on that offense. And also, Justin Verlander needs to step up because that's mm. the thing. When, when they signed these and when they added these two future Hall of Famers, we we knew that they weren't going to be at the tip top of their game for every single start for the duration of their contract with the Mets. But we expected them to be pretty solid and pretty consistently good. So far, those two guys have have not really been what they are used to and accustomed to for nearly the last two decades. I still think that they can settle in, but there's a lot more pressure on the offense. There's a lot more pressure on Cookie Carrasco and these other guys that are kind of surrounding them. Those are supposed to be your one-two punch. We're talking about a pair of Hall of Famers here. A guy that just won the Cy Young last year uh, in Verlander, who just kind of doesn't look like he's all the way back yet physically. They've got to find a way to kind of tread water and and keep up without them playing at the top of their game. And I think the Mets, it it would be better for them if they weren't in a situation where they need both of them every fifth day. Because you want those guys feeling 100% at the end of the year. And I think the problem now is, you're going to need them to get you to the end of the year. So we'll see how they feel at the back end. But remember, Scherzer kind of ran out of gas last year as well physically. So it's a really interesting spot. And I think the one thing that the Mets have in their their favor is the best farm system they've had in a while. And I wouldn't be surprised to see uh, Uncle Steve be a little bit aggressive here and make that borderline reckless move maybe in the next month or two.
1: It's also a testament to the continued success of the Atlanta Braves, the National League's best team right now. The Dodgers have lost four straight games. The Braves have won four straight games, and yet L.A. remains in front of the Braves in the World Series odds that we just showed. Los Angeles, the favorite, plus 450. The Braves, 20 cents behind, plus 470. And then our, my favorite phenomenon in this market, the next four best odds, all hailing from the american league so when you look at the nl are there truly only two contenders out of the national league to win a world series this year
2: it's funny we did an exercise on the just
1: baseball show uh,
2: a few days ago and we were just kind of like way too early predicting all-stars and in the american league you have this contentious debate at each position of several different players from several different teams on the national league side it was predominantly just braves and dodgers like it is really wild so obviously there's more to it than that but that was kind of one thought exercise that led us to wow this is a very top heavy league i would say at this point you know,
1: believe we're having some technical difficulties with our good friend arm layton right there we hope to have him back on the show but the point are making about the national league being top heavy at least from the odds perspective of it all the dodgers are the favorites plus 450 to win a world series atlanta behind them by 20 cents at plus 470 and then again the next four best prices all hailing from the american league what also stands out about the national league the braves have the best dodger or the best record rather they've won four straight games the dodgers have lost four straight They have the third best record now. The Arizona Diamondbacks continue to win baseball games. They have the second best mark in the National League. Two teams that you saw there that have two of the four best prices to win a World Series championship from the American League facing off this week. And the Toronto Blue Jays have taken two straight in this midweek set against the Houston Astros. The Strohs went up early yesterday in the top of the fourth up in the Great White North in Toronto jumping out to a two-nothing lead the Blue Jays respond with three consecutive runs they win the baseball game three to two over the Astros the distinction between these two is the question now for arm Layton arm you were talking about the American <laughs> League and how it is impossible at times to jockey for position individually for all stars looking at that performance already and maybe some of these teams the Astros are the reigning World Series champions but the Blue Jays now have won eight of their last 10 ball games. how large is the distinction between the contenders in the AL I, that's where it gets a lot more cluttered in the, in the best way
2: possible. But, yeah, it's 100% a two-horse race in the National League side before uh, I think I dropped on my end there. Sorry about that. But I, I think there's teams that can kind of slide in there in the National League. But in the American League, you've got a bunch of different teams that are either floating around or, again, in punching distance. And you look at the Blue Jays and what they've been able to do. Sending down Alec Manoa is probably something that's going to help them every fifth day, which is crazy to say, Uh, but they're getting a bounce back from Jose Barrios. They're starting to see a little bit more from their bullpen Uh, in the offense. We know how good that can be, and it's starting to click on all cylinders. They got to figure out the rotation. They need Alec Manoa to bounce back. But again, this is a team that's getting rolling here. The Yankees, they were looking like they were clicking before Judge and Bader go down if they can get those guys back relatively soon that's still a team that you got to worry about especially with Severino back as they continue to get healthier the American League is a cluster and a lot of different teams that are a threat the Orioles are one of the best teams in baseball right now as well and I know that they're not going to be priced as such but don't forget talk about farm systems this is easily the best farm system in baseball they can go get whoever they want on the trade market they've been reluctant to but I think Winning can make you do that. The Orioles are a team that are an absolute force as well. And then don't sleep on teams like the Angels and the Mariners. And, of course, the Rangers, who are the force of all force right now. The American League is a bloodbath.
1: Let's get to the Rangers right now, Arm. Only about a minute left in this segment. Texas had a five game win streak snapped yesterday against St. Louis. It was a one run game. Alec Burleson, the only run scored, it was a solo shot in the top half of the eighth for the Cardinals. 30 seconds left in this segment, Arm Layton. What is the best thing about the Texas Rangers this season?
2: they absolutely rake there's no break in that entire lineup and when you go from semi and Seager and having those two guys at the top but then all the way down to the rookie josh josh young adolis garcia there's no break and then you have nate Iavaldi throwing the way he's throwing and the rest of the rotation yeah. still solidifying this team is a force chris young's plans coming to fruition
1: RM Leighton, we appreciate the time as always more the morning after up next right here on a Thursday on the morning after on Sports Grid and Sirius XM channel 159. I am Ben Stevens. He is Brian Fonseca joining us live right here on this Thursday on the morning after for his NBA finals focus a recap of game number three to talk about this championship series between Denver and Miami in what is still in store in an early look at game number four with only one day off Tomorrow night in South Beach on a Friday between the Heat and the Nuggets. Fonseca, we appreciate you being here as always. Thank you for taking the time to join us on this Thursday. Probably
3: should have been here after game seven. Uh, but nonetheless, you know, after a loss in Game Three, you know what I mean. Uh, but we it, got a busy guest awful.
1: roster. All right, we appreciate <laughs> you being here. It wasn't because you were just going to bag on the Boston Celtics, and our producer John Shames would have none of it. It had nothing to do with that.
3: <laughs> Listen, the New York Boston rivalry is strong, even though uh, I don't, I, I'm not at all Miami. a Yankee fan, but yeah 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 i mean look look i like oh, okay. miami but i'm a new yorker i just like listen if, if you want to be real about it the the heat would be a new york team if the knicks actually gave pat riley the power he wanted in 1995 he would have stayed there and would have probably built something sustainable that looked like this because this is what he was trying to do but the knicks didn't have any of it he gave him the power that he wanted and uh you know almost 30 years later here we are
1: that's highbrow stuff. That's a conversation for another day, but that's what Brian Fonseca brings you. 30 years later, the New York Knicks could have been the Miami Heat. We would have had Nick culture, not Heat culture, but Heat culture did not prevail last night for the first time in Miami in this NBA Finals, game number three between the Heat and the Nuggets. Instead, it was Denver covering as a three-and-a-half-point road favorite. Winning by 15 points. A night of history for Nikoli Jokic and Jamal Murray and the Nuggets. But Fonseca, let's first focus on the outcome of the game. Denver wins by 15. They take a 2-1 series advantage. What did the Nuggets change last night from game two as they won in game number three? Everything they
3: wanted from 16 feet in, they got to it. They found it. They were able to exploit it. It's why they won a game despite shooting five of 18 from three. Only shooting 18, kind of like, you know, back when I was a kid that used to happen sometimes and the team only made five, three pointers the entire game. And why didn't it matter? Because yes, you could beat a team jacking up threes with twos. If you're getting to your twos at a very efficient clip, hitting them at a very efficient clip, your team shooting 50 over 50% from the field and Miami. While wow, they shot, I don't remember if it was 31% from three, so they were technically better from three. Yeah. They had more three-point attempts, and they are, they are struggling from the mid-range area, from around the basket. And to me, yes, Denver stars outplayed Miami stars, but honestly, even though it wasn't the most efficient effort, Jimmy and Bam gave you enough. Jimmy and Bam gave you enough to win that game if you're Miami, and nobody else came through. None of your role players really came through. Caitlin Martin had an eight-point stretch which was in like 60 seconds. You had, you know, uh, Gabe Vincent struggled, Max Strews struggled, I think combined it with three for 17 or something along those lines. Duncan Robinson showed some flashes late, hitting a couple very late jumpers. Maybe he should play a little bit more than Max Struce next game. Kevin Love started, wasn't really a factor outside of the first quarter, the beginning portion of the first quarter and had two rebounds in 16 minutes. Ultimately, your stars, in terms of effort, in terms of setting the tone, Bam and Jimmy gave you enough even though it wasn't terribly efficient. But your role players who have come through time and again just did not have it last night. And sometimes that's what happens.
1: When you look at Bam and Jimmy they combined for 50 points. But as Brian Fonseca mentioned just 18 of 45. from the field not all that efficient Bam Adebayo himself seven of 21 he's gone over that points prop on the screen of 19 and a half his number last night in all three games here in the NBA finals including two games with a double double 26 and 13 in the opening game 22 and 17 boards last night Jimmy Butler 28 points his best scoring performance by far in this 2023 NBA finals yet has not reached the 30 point mark that Fonseca told you earlier which he has Done five times in this nba playoffs and miami is a perfect five and zero oh in all of those games jimmy butler is scoring just 30 or more once in the last 15 playoff contests for the heat and fonseca i thought caleb martin was a great point right there because he was the story of the eastern conference finals outside of jimmy frickin butler caleb martin scored at least 14 points in all seven games against the boston celtics he scored three three And last night, his first double digit performance, finishing with 10. Those role players are why Miami is here, just wasn't enough last night. Fonseca on the other side for the Nuggets, a historic performance out of both Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray. Nikola Jokic becomes the first player in NBA Finals history to post a stat line of 30, 20 and 10. 32 points, 21 boards. 10 dimes. Jamal Murray, a triple double as well. 34 points, 10 assists, 10 rebounds. The first ever pair of teammates in any NBA game ever to record a duo of 30 point triple doubles. Fonseca, how do you describe the historic performance out of Jokic and Murray last night?
3: If they're going to get whatever they want, then this series is going to end pretty fast. If they do this again in game four, and miami's role players don't respond who shot you mentioned bam and jimmy shooting 18 of 45 the rest of the team was 16 of 47 and the rest of the team mm-hmm. had 44 of their 94 points when bam and jimmy had over half and if murray and Jokic are going to do that like if they're just going to play better than your stars and your role players aren't going to cover up give you anything then it's over and Nikola Jokic is the best player in the league i thought that joel Embiid winning regular season mvp was fine like i thought he deserved it yeah. but i think that the playoffs have solidified who the best player in the nba actually is currently and it's Nikola Jokic. even on defense he's held up so far uh part of the reason miami isn't getting uh shots at the rim or isn't converting shots at the rim is because Jokic has actually done a pretty good job down there and they're not challenging him enough which you know i guess give him credit for that right and jamal murray he's just He's cold, man. Like, you watch him, yeah. and it's like it's like if Kyrie just kept his head on straight, he could still be doing stuff like that in an NBA Finals. But Jamal Murray is really that good, and just hitting shots when you're like, he's not going to hit this one too, is he? Oh, God, he did it again. Like, he yeah. is one of the best playoff risers in the league in terms of guys who in the regular season, they're one thing, and then in the playoffs, there's something else. We talk about Jimmy Butler a lot. He might be the, the number one guy you think about in the NBA. Jamal Murray is on that short list as well.
1: He has scored 25 or more points, has Jamal Murray, in seven of the last eight playoff games for the Denver Nuggets. Last night's Game 3 leading scorer, finishing with 34 points in Fonseca, a triple-double that included 10 dimes. Jamal Murray has had exactly 10 assists in each of the three games here in this 2023 NBA Finals. So Denver now holds a 2-1 series advantage in the chase for their first ever Larry O'Brien trophy in the odds – back up the Nuggets doing just that minus 1200 the series outright price for Denver here we are Fonseca a 2-1 series lead for the Nuggets at this point what is your series prediction the rest of the way
3: the only way Miami can still win this series is if they win game four and then you make it a best of three from that point on you would still have to get another one on the road in Denver good luck with that but they don't care they're capable of doing it <laughs> like they're the only team that beat this denver nuggets team for all for all the talk about like you know eight cinderella they don't deserve to be here whatever they're the only team in the nba who has beaten denver in denver during these playoffs and since march so like almost three months um but if they don't win game four and if denver wins game four this is over probably that fifth game maybe six maybe miami steals one on the road but then denver steals it back but like it probably doesn't go seven from that point it could it very well could but i i have a tough time seeing miami win three straight games if they lose game four so game four then this is where they play better backs against the wall because this team is a bunch of masochists backs against the wall (laughs) they're going to be losing in the series. And then it's like, now they want to play a certain way and they're going to come out with intensity and probably win game four. And then we'll have a best of uh, best of three from that point on. And also the game within the game, uh, as I talked about last night, Scott Foster has not refereed a game in this series. And he's nicknamed the extender and he's probably going to referee game four. Why? Because if he's going to referee game seven, he has to work now. That's just how the game goes. There's a reason why Tony Brothers was there last night also. And there's a reason why in game seven, you had Scott Foster and Tony Brothers there on the same crew. Because in the NBA finals, if it goes long, you could have them back uh, to potentially close that out. So game within the game, we'll see how it's officiated. But uh, I think uh, we'll see some Scott Foster uh, Scott fostering in uh, game
1: four as well. The game within the game, the handicapping expertise that Brian Fonseca provides the Denver Nuggets remain a three and a half point favorite for game number four. This being the only game where we have just one day off prior tomorrow night in Miami for game number four. Fonseca as we showed, the Denver Nuggets as a team, a minus 1200 favorite outright to win an NBA championship. Nikola Jokic as an individual. Is price pretty reflective of that overall number to win the nba finals mvp minus 1150 fonseca is it as simple if denver wins the nba championship Nikola jokic wins nba finals mvp
3: yeah it, it's it's not going to anyone else with respect to jamal murray and all the things i just said about him Nikola jokic right. is Nikola jokic he's that dude and if he wins the nba finals he'll get mvp and miami it'll be a it'll be a a toss-up between jimmy and bam but right now if you think miami's going to win this series you can put money on both of them because they're at plus 1400 each like you'll get value and it's going to be one of the two it's not going to be gabe benson with all due respect so yeah if you're looking at if you're looking at the heat to come out and pull this series out put your finals mvp money on jimmy and or bam but if it's denver it's Nikola jokic easily
1: Jimmy and Bam have the same price right now to win NBA Finals MVP. A true toss Brian Fonseca, thank you for your time. More TMA up next.
0: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
1: That's enough of game number three of the 2023 NBA Finals. It is time tonight for game number three of the 2023 Stanley Cup Final. Our focus still on South Florida, but not South Beach. It's Sunrise, Florida, where the Panthers will host the Vegas Golden Knights in game number three of this cup final, looking to eke out their first victory of this series as vegas holds a commanding two nothing series advantage at this point joining us here on this thursday live on the morning after on sports grid it is our good friend pete jensen of nhl.com and of course one of the hosts of the fantasy on ice podcast getting you set for everything you need to know game number three and the rest of the stanley cup final pete thank you so much for taking the time to join us here on this thursday
4: What's going on, Ben? Yeah, the series shifts to sunny Florida, where I think the Panthers are looking to rediscover some of their past playoff success from the first three rounds. They haven't really seen it the first two games in this series. They've been dominated at five on five. They've been dominated on the scoreboard in general. And uh, Sergei Bobrovsky got yanked the last game. So they're kind of searching for answers and hoping to rediscover some of that magic.
1: The eighth seed from the Eastern Conference hosting a finals game within the state of Florida. It's what we saw for Miami in terms of the heat last night. Tonight in sunrise for the Panthers. As the eighth seed, a Cinderella run perhaps is the glass slipper. Is the clock starting to strike midnight? It was in Las Vegas where the atmosphere was electric, Pete, and the light on the lamp was getting lit often seven goals for Vegas in game number two, five goals for Vegas in the opening game of this cup final, a 5-2 victory in game one, a 7-2 win in game number two. Pete, what sparked the offense for Las Vegas in the opening two games of this cup final?
4: So I think that problem that we were talking about and that I was worried about despite picking Florida to win the series at the beginning was the fact that this five on five play and these odd man rushes and these high quality chances that Sergei Bobrovsky was bailing the Panthers out so far this postseason. And that's why, hey, we were saying, wow, this guy has to be considered the Conn Smythe trophy favorite because he's kind of gone against the odds in that way of being able to even get them this far. that type of deficiency vegas is exposing it here and the home crowd was on their side you know sometimes home ice in the playoffs doesn't necessarily matter but i think it mattered in the first two games the panthers were taking penalties left and right vegas was scoring power play goals even strength goals everything in between and now we see these lopsided scores and and florida i think has been a pretty good home team in rounds two and three this postseason of course game three and four or yeah game three and four against the boston bruins they lost both to put themselves into that hole but that's something that they could draw back on right they were down three one in the series against the best team in the league in the boston bruins and they came back to win it in seven do i expect that to happen again no this is going to be very difficult but they have that track record it's not like they've just been cruising to this point without any adversity they have that to fall back on and i think You know as long as this team is healthy for the rest of the series it should be a lot tighter with some adjustments here for paul maurice and the crew
1: pete it's a really good point that's why the momentum was favoring florida entering this series they had won 11 of 12 playoff games and they had won eight consecutively on the road in this magical stanley cup postseason run they're back at home Tonight, The total for tonight's game because of the offense we have seen so far Pete is up by a goal. It goes from five and a half in the opening two games to six and a half tonight. Pete why has this series so far been so high scoring and do you expect to see the same now with a change of venue?
4: I do expect to see the same. I think that whether it's Bobrovsky or Lyon and Aiden Hill obviously has had a miraculous postseason Really, honestly, I cover the sport pretty in depth and I can really say that I couldn't have envisioned a scenario where Aiden Hill would have taken them this far. No disrespect to the player, but I, I would have said it would have been Logan Thompson or Jonathan Quick or Laurent Bassois on that team alone. So I was not super high on Vegas coming into the postseason. They've overachieved based on my expectations. Uh, again the five on five discrepancy this postseason is ridiculous 58 to 26. So that's why Vegas has a stranglehold on this series. But I think there are a couple of guys namely that line for the Florida Panthers with Sam Bennett who's been knocking at the door for a while to score a goal 10 game goal drought, but he has 38 shots on goal in the span. So he's bound to break through soon and Matthew could I mean I expect an angry but also like contain Matthew Kachuk to try to help his team get over the hump here. We saw that big hit on Jack Eichel in game two. You know, he got penalized for it. Uh, Whether or not, uh, you know, he agreed with that. I think we know the answer to that. But Matthew Kachuk is the driving force behind this team. So I'd be very surprised win or lose if the Kachuk-Bennett line doesn't get involved in this game three at home. I expect the fans and also the players on Florida to have a little chip on their shoulder here.
1: Bouncing back from that big hit is what Jack Eichel did in game number two, assisting on the second Jonathan Marcheseau goal of that contest. Right now, Pete, when we look at the Conn Smythe award odds, it is Marcheseau, who is the odds-on favorite at minus 105, followed by the goaltender for Vegas Aiden Hill. Of course, the Golden Knights have a 2-0 series advantage. They are a minus 550 series outright favorite. So, Pete, if Vegas wins Lord Stanley's Cup, who wins the Conn Smythe?
4: So we were talking about this in our Cup Final Preview show, and those were the two guys, Marsha So and Hill, that I was saying were, you know, trending in the right direction. And sure enough, right now, they are ahead of Jack Eichel and Mark Stone in the pecking order. I will say Jack Eichel has probably been their most consistent player this postseason in terms of chipping in assists points in general even during his goal drought he's still very valuable to this team and he plays on the line with marsha so i wouldn't be surprised yeah. even though that's the way things have been trending if jack eichel comes back from that hit and has like a multi-goal game the tables could turn back into his favor so I still think like the body of work overall, and that's all due respect to Jonathan Marsha. So 12 goals in his yeah. past 12 games, he's now like right behind dry saddle. Remember how dry saddle was like lighting the world on fire in the first two rounds. Like he's right, right. there to, to take home the goal scoring lead for the playoffs at large dry saddle had 13. He has 12. So he's been as hot as anybody so far in the past couple of rounds. But Jack Eichel is still kind of like lurking there where he has a chance to take home the award because a lot of people were skeptical of him, critical of him the past couple of years. He bounced back from that neck surgery and he has been the best player for the Golden Knights from the start of the postseason till right now. So he has a chance to, you know, put a little cherry on top with a multi-goal game and maybe win the con smike.
1: And the Conn Smythe is not just a cup final MVP award. It is the entirety of the postseason. Jack Eichel right now, Pete, seems like the straw that makes the offense for Vegas stir all around. So as we look at the series outright, the Golden Knights, again, a 2-0 series advantage as we head to South Florida for game number three. They're a minus 550 favorite is Vegas at this current point. But you mentioned it earlier, Pete Jensen, the resiliency the Panthers have shown all Stanley Cup postseason long. Is there still hope for Florida to make this a competitive series?
4: There's definitely still hope. I mean, I don't know that they're going to come away hoisting the trophy at the end of the day. But I mean, I think that they have the offensive depth. I mean, one guy to keep an eye on this loose to Ryan in, has not played the first two games if they could get him back that could be a huge hit to that third line, a big lift, I should say. So yeah, I think that like rediscovering that scoring depth and saying, hey, at five on five, we can play with these guys. That's what has to be the mentality going that they have been an offensive teacher the past two years, one of the best offensive teams and that they've gotten blitzed like this in the first two games They're opening for everybody. But I think that they, have the type of horses to be able to narrow that gap. And, you know, at least, I mean, if they hold serve for the last three games, they'll, they'll only need to win one in Vegas. So uh, that's how, that's where we stand. I mean, they're not completely done yet, uh, but the, the odds are stacked against them accordingly. And I think that they're uh, still, I, I think that they have the pieces to be able to make this interesting, but it probably starts with Bobrovsky here. Like, you're not going to be able to get by with a sub-900 save percentage from Bobrovsky in any of the remaining games.
1: The Panthers have relished the underdog role all playoffs long. Sergei Bobrovsky has been a main reason why, yanked midway through the second period of game number two after allowing four goals. So as we focus, Pete, on game number three tonight in sunrise, with the Florida Panthers booked as a slight home ice favorite what is the key for the Panthers to get their magic back and win a game in the Stanley Cup final.
4: I think the key has to be not taking as many penalties I mean some of them have been you know borderline questionable calls I mean that's just the way it goes but it's uh, I feel like the volume of penalties they've taken have allowed Vegas to get their power play working and then also with the even strength dominance it's just been like too big of a beast to slay for Florida. So a little bit more discipline. That's not to say that they should avert from their style of play, which is getting into your grill and being a hard-nosed, feisty team. I mean, they're going to do that. They're going to have the home crowd on their side. They're going to have last change. So expect a lot of these different lines to get better matchups than they had in games one and two, whether it's the Bennett-Kachuk line, the Barkov line with uh, Duclair and Verhage. Keep an eye on Carter Verhage. This guy has had three game-winning goals in the postseason so far, two in overtime, and the same clutch mentality is there for Matthew Kachuk, who has three overtime goals. So I wouldn't be surprised to see this game go to overtime and one of those two guys get the Panthers back on track. We'll see how it goes. And they
1: have the two best prices, Pete, to tickle the twine tonight. Kachuk at plus 135 or at plus 180. Four game winners for Matthew Kachuk throughout this magical Stanley Cup postseason run for Florida. As we focus on the men tending the nets tonight, Aiden Hill has been sensational, Pete, for Vegas. You shared your thoughts on him earlier on. The man known as Bob needs to step up in the biggest way. Do you expect To see that bounce back, Pete, out of Sergei Bobrovsky tonight in net for the Panthers.
4: Given this series, like we've talked about already, still his save percentage for the postseason at large is at 9.25, allowing four goals in each of the past two games during this. uh, you look at his home stats for the postseason. uh, He does have a home shutout in the playoffs. Uh, He's four and two, 9.07. The 9.07 is uh decent i would say but i think any given game Bobrovsky has a chance to stand on his head and you know don't be surprised to see the higher save volume come from Bobrovsky. just because vegas is not going to let up at five on five they're going to keep peppering him so it just boils down to whether or not uh, you know he comes to play and is sharp and a 35 40 save game and a victory to get them back in the series seems pretty reasonable yeah. for bob And it seems like they are going to need it as well. You saw the save
1: props tonight for the two goalies in this game. Aiden Hill, 30 and a half. Sergei Bobrovsky, 28 and a hook. And the under has the juice. Pete Jensen of NHL.com and the host of the Fantasy on Ice podcast. Thank you, as always, for your time. Enjoy game number three tonight between the Panthers and the Golden Knights in Sunrise, Florida. Before we go, a best bet for you on the other side of the break to round out the morning after on this Thursday. Closing out our two hours together here, live on a Thursday on the morning after on Sports Grid, Sirius XM channel 159. That is the home for Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM. All across the Sports Grid Network, I am Ben Stevens. That new Sports Grid Network, by the way, it's not new necessarily, but it includes the new Sports grid app the ultimate sports betting companion app now available for download at the apple app store you can scan a qr code that is on your screen right now and in a matter of moments you will have the new sports grid app the ultimate sports betting companion app at the tap of your fingers insight information all of the data sets that you need to become a better and more informed sports better it's smarter to be on Sports screen. I'm sure it gave out best bets in a big way for game number three of the 2023 NBA Finals tonight. It is game number three of the 2023 Stanley Cup Final tonight. I expect a Bob bounce back. It's not my best bet necessarily, but Sergei Bobrovsky, over 28 and a half saves with a little plus money just seems like the right move for tonight between the Panthers and the Golden Knights. I'll talk about something to end out this show that is probably as best of a bet that I will ever give. So before we say farewell and before we say goodbye, it is time for Bye, Bye, Bye. Tonight at 7.30 p.m. Eastern time, it is game number two of the Women's College World Series on the softball diamond between Oklahoma and Florida State. Right now, the Sooners are a minus 8,000 favorite to win their third consecutive national championship. We should appreciate greatness. We should appreciate history. We should appreciate dominance. And we should appreciate dynasties while we have them. Oklahoma looks for that third consecutive national title tonight. They are playing in their fourth consecutive championship series at the Women's College World Series. And with a victory over the Knowles, it would be 53 straight wins for Oklahoma softball. Appreciate greatness. That does it for the morning after on this Thursday. We'll talk tomorrow, Friday, 9 a.m. Eastern Time, live right here on The grid.